Welcome to the Innovations Podcast. Today, we have the full extended interview with Amina Brown. You may have heard parts of this interview on the podcast about art and Christianity. But uh, today we have the full interview, very interesting, good stuff from Amina. If you'd like to hear more of her poetry and the things that she does, you can find it at aminabrown.com. Please also check out the other podcasts on the Media Scorch Network, The Film Matters Show, where we discuss movies, and the Where Are We Going podcast, where we look at a a specific topic in light of faith. Uh, You can find all those on iTunes under Media Scorch or at mediascorchpodcasts.com. I'm excited to be here, Jason. Wonderful. Could you tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do? Sure. Uh, I am a spoken word poet and uh, an author and a lover of macaroni and cheese, which is very important. <laughs> you, I, I was introduced to you through um, the liturgists and through Michael Gunger and some of the things that you've done with them. And for, for folks who aren't really, aren't really familiar with spoken word poetry or how it's used as performance, can you say a little bit about what that is and what you do? Sure. I like to think of spoken word as if hip hop and jazz had a poetry baby. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I feel like it is poetry. It is free verse poetry. It is not uh, the traditional sonnet or sestina or limerick or haiku that you may have studied in school. Uh, but I would say the style of what it is that I'm doing is also very uh, hip-hop influenced in its wordplay and uh, jazz influenced in its rhythm. And really almost has to be performed, right? It, 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 doesn't, yes. have, it doesn't have the same impact on the page as, as when it's heard. No, I think it probably would be weirder to read. Without hearing the voice, you know, when I first started performing spoken word, which this was in the late 90s now, so this was right before Deaf Poetry Jam started and right after the movie Love Jones came out where Lorenz Tate played a spoken word poet in a film, you know, that was kind of the first time that a lot of poets are performing today were really exposed to spoken word and anything mainstream. Um, So, yes, I think it it is definitely written to be to be said aloud yeah. um, and loudly, depending on the piece. Yeah. And, and the things that you are doing, can you, can you talk a little bit about what are the kinds of things that you're performing and, and, and what is your kind of performance made up of uh, where, who, how? Man, that's a good question. <laughs> I, I feel like I end up in a lot of varied environments performing spoken word poetry. Sometimes that's at, like a, a corporate or leadership gathering. Sometimes it's definitely in uh, quite a few faith-based environments, um, churches or faith-based conferences or uh, some Christian colleges. Uh, my husband and I still host an open mic here in Atlanta where we call home. So sometimes it's a coffee house where you're trying to say your poem over the barista, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> trying to get all the lattes finished. So uh, it can be really varied, which I actually love. Uh, but it's actually at a conference where I connected with Michael and Lisa Gunger for the first time. And uh, we were joking the last time I saw him in person when the liturgists did their belong event. 
And I said, you know, it turns out that they're probably next second to my husband. I collaborate with Gunger or the liturgist the most of all the artists that I've ever collaborated with, which is fun. What does it mean for you to be collaborating with other people? How does that work? Well, um, I think at first it was more like I had a poem that Michael heard and he thought it would go well in a set of music that they were doing for a tour they were working on. And so I just went out on the road with them. <laughs> he invited me to come out on the road with them. So we sort of, you know, really collaborated. I, I'm saying like musicians, even though I'm not a musician, but as close to that as I would imagine I could be just yeah. kind of jumping in and uh, learning how to, you know, for me as the poet, learning how to, to rise with the crescendo of the music and uh, for Michael and the other um, musicians in the band, kind of learning how to come around what those words are. So it started off that way. And then after that, uh, sometimes Michael would just send me, hey, when Gunger was working on Ghosts Upon the Earth, he sent me all of the music before it was released. And he said, will you kind of write according to these themes that we think we're going to center around when we do our live performances? So in that case, I wrote two or three pieces kind of tailored to that. And mm -hmm. with the liturgist, uh, it's definitely been Michael just sent him an email like, so <laughs> we're working on this thing and it's going to have this theme. Like I think when the liturgist released uh, an Easter themed project, I think he had split between the music and the liturgy each collaborator had taken a day of that journey between good friday and easter and i ended up with good friday which is not the day that i wanted <laughs> at all i was like i don't want this day and i actually turned him down at first i was like i just friday seems very sad and melancholy and i just don't do that in my poems so i don't think i'll come up with anything and maybe like a week later, I just woke up one day and the whole poem came to me. Hmm. So I don't know if there's like some special prayers that Michael and Lisa pray or something. But every time they've ever come to me to ask me to collaborate with them, even when I've been like, no, I don't write about that. The poem has come to me. So yeah. I always think that's cool. I'm talking with different folks about about art and what art means. And um, yeah, I, I think it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But when we talk about art within Christianity and the church, I, I think there is some struggle and some conflict sometimes. Sometimes art within Christianity and the church is very good, and sometimes it's not. And uh, what does what as you are performing and writing and and um, developing what you do, what does it mean for you? to be creating and to be an artist? It means so much to me. I, I have the privilege and honor of being able to do my art as my full-time job. But even if this weren't my full-time job, I would still do it. And I was doing it before it was my full-time job. It's just the way I express myself. It's what inspires me. I feel like I'm having backlog in my mind if I haven't written. Um, and sometimes after a while too, if I haven't, you know, performed on stage. 
So I, I love art. I think it's so important. I think, um, I think for me, it is an interesting journey being an artist and a Christian and doing that in predominantly what we would deem to be Christian or faith-based type environments, especially because spoken word wasn't born out of that environment. Yeah. Spoken word was born in these, you know, kind of beatnik hole in the wall places that most spoken word poets are still performing, you know, in those spaces. That's where it was born. It was that kind of room where I cut my chops initially as a performer uh, so I, I never had any thought or design to to do that in a church setting. I almost felt like a lot of people go to poetry events or go to open mics because for a lot of people that is church for them. That is the place where you are sort of gaining this encouragement for your soul and able to give voice to grief and lament and and those kinds of things. So I think I sort of, I like to belong in both places. Um, I, I always love the honor and the privilege to talk about Jesus through the art form that I'm doing. Um, and I also love to talk about hip hop and breakups and love and friends and whatever else comes to mind too. So I do that in faith-based environments and I'm in plenty of environments where they're not necessarily faith-based. It's just people getting together because they love poetry or because they love music. And so uh, that's why my husband and I love to still host our open mic here and, and really be connected as much as we can to our local poetry scene. That's hugely important to me. Yeah. Within that, within that kind of church environment, that, that Christian space where sometimes art exists, um, what, what does, what purpose do you think it? should have i think of as you were talking you know you're talking about the the hmm. grief and lament and the same time the talking about jesus and and you know i think it's exciting to think of art in in ways where it can express certain ideas and and of a, such a wide range of variety um but i think some people get frustrated with art within the church because it doesn't express the whole range of human experience. We limit it to a certain kind of thing. Do you think that's true? I would agree with that. I think, I think there's a couple of things uh, at play there for me. I'm, I'm married to a DJ. And so I've had, even before my husband and I were married, I've just always been like, like a big fan of, of hip hop culture. And so that involves going to hip hop shows and going to see DJs perform. And I think some of it is, I think some of us as Christians lose our ability to go to things for art's sake. Yeah. And I think when we're in church, we, we are thinking about this message that is the centerpiece of everything, this gospel, this good news that is Jesus. We are thinking about that. And so we plan our services and conferences and things around that truth, which I think is important. But in our doing that, we sort of make it seem like if art doesn't explicitly express the gospel in this way, then it doesn't work for us. Mm -hmm. Or it doesn't help people to see God or see Jesus in this way. 
And I think we start doing that because we get into having more meetings and doing planning center more than we are going to see people just play music live or just perform poetry or just walking the art gallery and seeing the pieces. And I think when we do the other part more, when we experience art more, then we take the pressure off of what we think art should have to be because we can let the art be what it is and that God is going to do what God does all the time, which is shine. So whether my poem is explicitly about the cross or the crucifixion or Easter or Advent, whatever those things are that we deem to be a part of our gospel message, a poem I write about my best friend could also shine of God. Um, so I think I think sometimes that's where that tension comes in that we want the art to do what we want it to do within the time frame we say do this. Whereas if I go to watch a jazz band play, there's no one there to go, well, before the saxophone player plays, that's a metaphor for the, you know, there's yeah. no one to do that. You're there to just hear the saxophone riffs and hear what the bass does and hear what the piano's doing and feel what that does to your own soul and let that bring to you what it does. But I think that is the work that the spirit does. And we would, we would do better, I think, to let the spirit do the work he does through the art instead of feeling like we got to force the art to be a thing. Yeah. There's something too in just the idea and it probably exists more in some, some, kinds of Christian tradition than in others, but the idea that the gospel message has to be explicit in everything we do, and that's nearly the only important thing in life, you know, getting other people to heaven. I think of a few years ago, I was uh, involved in a play in my community, and we did it in a, at a couple uh, churches over Christmas, kind of the Christmas season, and somebody came to me at, after one of the performances at the show and they said it was good but it didn't say anything about Jesus <laughs> uh, no it was just it was just it was fun <laughs> um, but I, I think sometimes that's our perspective that we have to tell the story of Jesus and get people saved um, mm -hmm. but maybe the experience that God gives us as people is bigger than that i i agree with that i agree with that and i i think it took me a while to learn that i mean when i first started performing i wasn't performing in faith-based environments so you know you're just around other amazing poets you're just like learning to write things and storytell sure. and figure out what are your stories what's the stuff you have to say well then professionally um when i first started i guess you know career-wise to use that super weird word I started off in, in worship environments or what we would deem that to be. And so in that environment, when you're doing spoken word during a worship set of songs, you are not supposed to be seen. The job of you as an artist standing there, whether you're singing or in my case doing a poem, is supposed to be that you become invisible, that you are all you're doing is pointing people to God. Well, yeah. then after a couple of years of doing that, I went back into the open mic setting. And one of the poets there 
I actually ran into her recently and recounted this story to her. She didn't even remember that she said this to me, but it totally wrecked me and also helped me a lot as an artist. But she turned to me after I'd been going to the open mic a few weeks and I was just kind of doing my stuff that I had been writing lately, which all of it had been stuff that I'd been doing in like a worship setting. And she said to me, she said, you know, when I hear other people's poems, Amina, I feel like I get to know them. But when I hear your poems, I feel like I don't get to know you. And I just remember going home and being like really messed up over it. Like, well, what does that mean? Am I hiding? Am I, you know, and then I realized I've, I've leaned too far over to the left side of thinking that the only way for God to shine through the art I make is if it is a love letter to God, is if it is written in this, you know, second or first person, you know, or third person account, you know, to or about God. And I realized after she said that to me that I can also tell a story about my grandmother in a poem and that God can shine through that. Even if I don't even mention like the name of Jesus, but it took me a long time to, to not feel like it was a sin to be seen, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you mentioned um, Good Friday earlier and doing something for Good Friday. And and I think that makes me think of what Good Friday means. And I kind of grew up in Christian traditions where I think there was a feeling that worship had to continually be joyful, triumphant, exciting, and the traditions that surrounded Good Friday that exist in some churches, I hadn't really experienced until kind of I was a little bit older, and just those those ways that some churches will um, drape the cross in black and have a service that ends in silence, and we don't leave that service with joy, we leave that service with a somber attitude, we leave that service with a bit of discomfort and distress, but yet that's still a part of our worship because it's leading us to something greater. And uh, it just seems that that is a piece of our, that is something that art should be helping us to do, to experience not just worship and the gospel in a way that's presented in a certain kind of packaged way, but it's the whole gamut of our emotions and experiences i don't know i don't know where i was really going but (laughs) do you have any thoughts about that okay it's interesting to hear you describe sort of your faith upbringing there i grew up charismatic (laughs) i don't know why that always makes me laugh i pretty much did too Uh, because there's a lot of things that are just hilarious about that experience um so I grew up charismatic, so I did experience some of what you described there, but I, I don't, I think also, you know, our church had a, I'm, I'm thinking the blues is the word I want to say, even though I don't know if that's like the right term, but there was this like, you know, ability to, to moan and travail and that sort of grieving element. So I think I had that, but yeah. once I got into like, performing mostly at churches or church-based events, 
I found the opposite to be true in some regards where, or the opposite was my experience. Like I was going to like, Oh, probably in the last 10 years, I would say I have been to so many events that were so sad. <laughs> like they were so sad and somber and all the music was, there was like no fast songs. All the songs were have, have we swung the other direction. <laughs> I want, I'm wondering now, after hearing you having described that, I was like, it's, it kind of gives me a little more context because, you know, I mean, being married to a DJ, obviously we don't quite do a lot of, <laughs> we don't, when we're performing together, we're not doing a lot of lament and grief work, <laughs> but um, we talk about that a lot because sometimes we'll kind of end up sandwiched between, you know, two bands who are doing really somber stuff. And here we come with turntables and a microphone and, you know, him freestyling and that whole experience. And I we've left several events and been like, did Jesus rise from the dead or no? (laughs) Because I am just wondering if it's okay to like dance or do we contemplate our sin all the time and never have a time to just be like. And Jesus saves and he is alive, <laughs> you know? So now hearing what you said, I'm wondering if some of it is just sort of the the music, the tone, the art swinging back the other way to say, hey, let's have space to lament and to be sad and that that is not unchristian to do. Yeah, that's <laughs> But I'm sort of getting to the point where I'm like, but is it Christian to laugh or no? <laughs> <laughs> So maybe we just wait a few years and we, we swing back in the other direction. Yeah, yeah. We just ride the wave there. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's, that is interesting. What, what, are you, what do you find – how do you find that people respond to what you do? It depends on the environment I'm in, obviously, because like I said, I grew up charismatic. Some of my poems contain me yelling about Jesus. <laughs> so – if I'm in sort of a more like conservative, we don't really, you know, lift our hands or make lots of noise like that. Uh, some of it is, you know, shock and surprise a little bit. Like, I don't know what to do here. You're talking. I don't sing with you. I, I don't know what to do. I feel it. I agree with it. You know, I I just don't know what to do with some of the experience there and if i'm in a room with people who are used to sort of doing that call and response you know they might kind of yell back or we'll kind of be in that space together i think some of it and probably just you know depends on my vantage point and what i'm talking about but depending on the audience i'm in front of too like i found myself whenever i'm in an audience of christian women lately that i don't the poems that come out of me in that moment are not the soft, let's be gentle, let's be quiet poems. The poems that come out are, we don't have time to be gentle and quiet anymore. Like we need to be who it is that God made us to be kind of, you know, like sort of this like indignation there that comes out of it. So it kind of depends on the room I'm in, I guess I'm, I'm very much a person that, it has to kind of feel that vibe of the room. And then it depends on that room, I guess, how they respond. And then some of it, I guess, you you never know. Sometimes I performed and 
it was just quiet. And I was like, wow, did they hate that? I don't know. Then people will come up afterwards and say, I was really affected by it. I really appreciate it. And you're like, okay, so maybe I'll get invited back. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, You know, when you, when you say, um, people thinking that they don't really know what to do, I, 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 you know, I relate that so much to being in a church that maybe doesn't quite know. I think a lot of times we don't know what to do about performance. Um, because we're used Mm -hmm. to the idea that everything is worship and it's, everything is fairly participatory and just mm-hmm. sitting and watching something maybe doesn't feel quite right. <laughs> it's not what we've done right. before. And so I don't quite know what to do with it. Um, maybe, maybe that's some of our, um, some of our issue with art in a broad sense in the church that we don't always know what to do with it because it's not always participatory. And I think, I think, yeah. And I think in some ways, we've made performance a bad word. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I've, I've definitely been in church environments where people be like, I, I really enjoyed your performance. I mean, your ministry. Right. You know? And I think some of that is kind of where, you know, we've just become weird about that where I don't, I, I look at performance not as selfish ambition and it can be obviously, but not as selfish ambition or, or look at me because I need all the attention. I, mm-hmm. I look at performance like it's a craft the same way that, you know, surgery to a surgeon is his craft. You know, it's it's something that you it's a dance you learn how to do between yourself and the spirit of God and the audience. You know, I mean, I that's how I think of it. But I, I do think in some regards we've we sort of made performance this bad word as if to do, to do quote unquote ministry. Sure. And it's a one or the other kind of thing mm-hmm. Be- because I think we, we either imagine that there is performance, which is bringing the glory to the performer or there's worship, which is bringing the glory to God and mm-hmm. something that seems to share those two aspects. We don't know what to do with. Maybe that's just a, a a learning to navigate something that's a little bit different and a little bit new for, well, it's not new at all. It's maybe it's, it's just, it's just a change from maybe where the church has been for the last 50 or hundred years, mm-hmm. 200 years, yeah, I, 400 years. <laughs> and I think sometimes when I am going into an event, I think sometimes people are bringing me there knowing this is going to be really different for the people <laughs> who are, coming to this, who come to this church, who are normally attending this event, uh, but they want something fresh, not that to hear instruments played and to hear singers sing should be trite in any way, but that there are other ways art or artistic things can be a part of that experience for us. And that could be poetry and it could be visual art and it could be improv comedy you know there's a lot of different ways that that can happen so i am ex- excited and hopeful to see more of that to see us sort of getting out of our box a little bit and seeing what what god can speak to us through i mean god can speak to people through leaves and grass and whatever he wants so i'm convinced he can also do that through art too yeah absolutely well i think we'll we'll wrap it up here um if, uh, if folks are interested in hearing more from you or seeing what you do, where can they look? 
Uh, they can visit aminabrown.com. My name is spelled amen with an A on the end. And that has all the links to my social media stuff because I, I love to be friends and tweet and do Instagram. Fantastic. And can actually find your um, recordings on iTunes and places mm-hmm. people get music, right? Thanks, Jason. Yeah, well, thank you. And maybe we'll, we'll talk again another time. Thank you.